This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. What an awesome truth. Our God is a mighty fortress. And uh, this morning we're going to learn some other truths about him that uh, will be life-changing for us. I want to welcome you. Uh, I got so caught up in what Kevin was laying out for us last week. And if, you're here last, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't, we were talking a little bit about the state of the church worldwide. And um, some of these stats and figures are, are hard to get a hold of because so much of the church, like in China and places like that, it's underground but uh, I believe that as, as, as God pulls back the pages of history, we're going to find out that in our time, more people are coming to Christ every day in our time than ever before in the history of the world. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? Yeah, have you ever sat and wondered as you read the newspaper, why doesn't Jesus just come now? Yeah, I think there's a reason for it. Because more and more people are coming to Christ. I'm kind of glad that Jesus didn't come 50 years ago. Because that was before I accepted Christ. And he's got people he's still reaching. So I, got, I have some real mixed emotions. Those are the good ones. The tough ones, not only are more people coming to Christ every day than probably ever before in human history... But more people are losing their lives for their faith today than ever before in human history. In fact, you might not realize it, but more people were martyred for their faith in the last 100 years than in the previous 1900 years of Christianity all put together. We think of persecution as back in history, right? But more people lost their life for their faith. So I've got some mixed emotions because even this morning as we're gathered here, and we're going to have a great time together, there are Christians gathering around the world, and some of them are going to come and find their church building burned this morning. Can you imagine how you would have felt you pulled in the parking lot this morning and you looked, and there was nothing but charred remains and smoke coming up from where the building used to be, and you found out that It was burned purely and simply because it was a church and there was a threat made on the life of everyone who went to this church. Would it cause you to reevaluate a little bit about your church attendance, maybe? I'll tell you what it would do. It would separate those who are serious about their faith from those who are just sort of looking. And even if you're just looking this morning, I want to welcome you, but I hope that as we work our way through the teaching of Scripture this morning, that you can take a step forward in that and a step closer to a God who loves you deeply and dearly. So let's, let's get on with a couple of logistics, and then I'll get into preaching and teaching this morning. I want, take your program, if you would, and uh, on the inside of it, I want you to pull out three things. I want you to pull out that long, skinny card that says, Start Here. I want you to pull out this sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes, the fill in the blanks are all on the back, almost all on the back side. That's the teaching notes. And then I want you to pull out uh, this little flyer that looks like this. Because this flyer is, 
It's for a ministry partner that's very near and dear to us. It's Church Development Fund. They are the people who actually put up the money so that we could buy this facility. Without them, we would still be meeting in a, in a school or a community center uh, somewhere in our town. And so once a year, we try to make sure that, that you know how important they are as a ministry partner to us. And it works really simply. Christians and interested parties invest money with them. They get a higher than average rate of return. And if you've checked what you're getting out of your CDs and your savings account recently, it's probably less than what you see on this card. They turn around and loan that money to churches, and churches build buildings and buy property with it. It's pretty simple. And I know we have a number of people at New Life that have invested in CDF. It's a, it's a great investment. It's a good place even to put your retirement funds so you're going to see a video about that in just a minute. But before we turn that video on, um, let's take that Start Here card. And on the bottom of it, for those of you who are brand new, let me walk you through this. As a church, we want you to get next to God. And so our job and our purpose as a church is to sort of take your hand and put it in the hand of God so you can get personally connected with Him. And in order to do that, we have to be able to get a hold of you and figure out how to do that. So... If you'll fill out the contact information box that's at the bottom of the front of this, if you come all the time, you know, just put your name in there if we already have your contact info. If you're here for the first time, please put as much information in that box as you feel comfortable. And while you're doing that, take a look at a great video that shows you the heart of CDF. A year ago, when we relocated, in need of a church home and as I found my way through town I kept seeing the sign for this church one Sunday as a family we came and we tried it out and we haven't left we've been here ever since to a Christian the church is the people but for millions of Americans church is a place a place to go when life gets hard place to look for help and hope, a place to ask questions, to seek and find answers. You can help create these places where ministry happens every day. When you invest at Church Development Fund, you earn interest while providing financial resources to growing churches all across the United States. So there you go. They have our recommendation. And uh, as I teach you this morning, I'm going to teach you the concept of God's story. And so we're going to go to a very unusual place to begin. If you went to a cemetery, you might find on one of the grave markers something that looks like this. Simply put, that's the summary of somebody's life, right? Happens to be Dustin Jones. He was born February the 1st, 1952, and he passed away July the 30th, 2011. Interesting observation. Not much of his life took place here, right? One day, 
Not much of his life took place there. One day, where did it all take place? Right here. That was his life. Think about this for a minute. The story of God, okay? Um, If you think about it, it has... The story of our world is creation... And the second coming. Okay? Creation lasted six days plus one of rest. The second coming is one day. It's coming. And the story of the world and the story of God as revealed through our world is what takes place right here. In fact, I want you to think of the Bible as God's story. So if you picked up the Bible and it started reading like this, it started reading, once upon a time, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth as a place for his family, and he created people to be his sons and daughters, but through sin, his people left him. So God left heaven and came to earth to find his people and to bring them back into his family. Some of them rejected him. Some of them neglected him and never made the choice to be part of his family. But for those who did, he took them back into his family. He took them to heaven and they lived happily ever after. Friends, that's not, a, that's not a fable. That's not a fairy tale. That's the story of God and his people. And, the, and history is what takes place right here in that dash. And in fact, the truth is that history is really his story. In the end, that's all that's going to make any difference. It's his story, and that's how God always does things. But here's how I want you to see it, because this is our core truth this morning. Take a look at our core truth. God writes his story through whom? Through us. Did you know that? Think about it. What part of history... Did God not write through human beings? God could have written the entire history of the world through angels. You know, when you're God, pretty much any option is open to you, correct? God could have written the entire history of the world through animals. He did make a donkey talk one time. He did feed a prophet through ravens one time. But God decided that he would write his story on the earth through people, and only through people. And you know how devoted he was to that decision? When it came to something that no human being could do, and that is being a perfect sacrifice for sin, even God became a people to do it. He could have done that from heaven. But he chose not to. 
Because why? He writes his story through people. Now, here's what I want you and me to get out of this. Do you realize how privileged we are? God has chosen us to write his story through. Think about that. Somebody far more powerful than any president, far more powerful than any king. If you got a phone call this afternoon from the president of the country and he said, I want to write part of my story in history through you. Would you come to Washington, D.C. because I want to write part of history through you? Would you at least stop and consider? And you would go, whoa, why me? Well, I can tell you that someone far more powerful than our president, Barack Obama, or any king or any dignitary has said to you and me, if you will come on board with me, I want to write my story through you. And I'm going to take us to two places in the Bible to illustrate that. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story of my own life, and then I'm going to invite you to step into God's story. Okay? So let's take a look at a couple of places in the Bible where we see this happening. In Esther chapter 4, verse 8, there's been an edict from the king, who is the king of the largest kingdom in the world at the time, and that edict is that every Jew is going to be killed. That's the edict we're talking about. Mordecai gave Hathak, Esther's assistant, a copy of the decree or the edict issued in Susa. That was the capital of, of the empire that called for the death of all the Jews. And he asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. And he also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and to plead for her people. Now I want to I tell you something right away. You're going to see it all the way through Scripture, and you're going to see it in your own life if you choose to get on board with God. And that is every time God's going to write a piece of history through somebody, it's going to require them to take risk. It's going to require them to sacrifice. And there will always be part of the story that if God doesn't come through, it all falls flat. There's always going to be part of the story that only God can do. And that's why it's going to call for faith from you and me. But the great thing about God is, how often does He come through? 100% of the time. When the mission fails, it's usually us. It's, it's always us. It's never God. So that's, that's the deal that's laid out. Now Esther is going to talk about the risk. Take a look at the next part of that passage. Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai, who was her uncle. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die. It, it doesn't mean that the, that the king curses you and you die. It means that you have done something that the automatic punishment for is death, and the only way out of that is if the king decides to give you mercy is doomed unless the king holds out his golden scepter, and the king is not called for me to come to him for 30 days. In other words, he's not really feeling drawn to me right now. This could not go well. There's the risk, and there's the potential sacrifice, which would be the sacrifice of her entire life. Now look at Mordecai's response, because he understands how God works. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. By the way, Esther was a Jew. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance 
and relief for the Jews will arise from another place. You know something? Hear me clearly. God is going to write his story. And no matter what you do, no matter what I do, we will not thwart God's story. We just get to choose whether we're going to be part of it or not. And if we choose not to be part of it, guess what? He's going to write it through somebody else. Mordecai knew that. Deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. I want to challenge you this morning. What part of God's story are you allowing Him to write through you? Because every, every window of opportunity has exactly that, a window. And there's a time frame in there where God says, I want you to get on board with me. And if you get on board with me, I want to write this piece of history through you. And it's going to change your life. And it's going to change the lives of people around you. And it's going to do some amazing things, not only where you are, but probably will have ripple effects that go far greater than you would ever expect. And maybe in far-reaching places on this globe. But you've got this amount of time to get on board. Did you know? that every person sitting in the audience this morning, God has probably one or two windows available to you right now. Right now. I was visiting with someone on the way in this morning. And I, I, I didn't get permission to use her name, so I won't use her name. But you know what she said to me? I've been so stirred by what God is doing. In my prayer time, God was saying, I want you to quit your job. I may take you around the world to do something in my name. She said, but God, I'm not old enough to retire. And he said, I've got that handled. And she said, if that's your direction to me, I'm in. You know, in poker language, that's all in. You got it? That's all in. I'm blown away. I'm so blessed by that because as we're learning to listen to God, now by the way, I'm not recommending that everyone go out and quit your job. Okay? You can hear me say that. What I am saying is go out and listen to God. Because I can tell you this from my own life, and I'll share a little bit of my story later, that when you, when you get on board with God and you get all in with God, don't be surprised if He asks you to do something that you think is way outside your box. Because that's the God we serve. It's an adventure, but it's a great adventure. So that's what Mordecai said to Esther. You've got to know that if you don't do it, God's going to write His story through someone else. There's always risk there's always sacrifice, and there's always a part of it that only God can do, right? If you know this story, God came through. Esther walked in, the king accepted, he extended the scepter, and the end result was all the Jews were saved. Great story, but somebody who was willing to get outside of her box and put her whole life on the line. Move forward a few hundred years. Jesus is standing with his followers, and he lays out the same principle for them in Acts chapter 1. He says, Now don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want you to write somewhere in your margin these two words, new power. 
Because that's what God does. When God's going to write His story through you, He's not going to write it in your power. He's going to write it in His. So God says to all of His followers, I'm going to give you new power. And then He goes on to say, what are you going to do with that? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses, telling people about Me everywhere. In your margin, write new purpose. See, when you get on board with God, He is actually going to change the purpose of your life. Why? Because you're going to get involved in this dash, not just this one. You're going to get involved in God's story, not just what you can make of your own life. And He's going to give you new purpose. The purpose is that we might testify or be witnesses of God's power and God's plan and God's story. And then He goes on to say, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to where? The ends of the earth. I want you to write in the margin somewhere new perspective. Because I've seen it happen hundreds of times in my life. When somebody gets all in with God, God gives them new power to do things they never thought that they would be able to do. He gives them new purpose and they end up doing things they never thought they would ever do. And He gives them a new perspective. And it's not just me and my family and and what we're going to do and where we're going to go on vacation. But they begin to have this perspective that goes to the ends of the earth because they see God's kingdom as it really is. Not just what can I do or how often should I go to church. Whole different perspective. That's when God begins to write his story through us. Three or four weeks ago, some of you know part of this story. Three or four weeks ago, I was in Portland, Oregon to renew the vows, wedding vows of a couple who had been married 21 years. And it was fun, and we used to live in Portland, so we got all kinds of friends up there. So I decided I would go up a couple days early and hang out with some friends. And as I have been known to do on occasion when I hang out with my friends, we go golfing. So I was with a good friend of mine, a former senior pastor that I served under, and uh, we pulled up to a par four that was reachable, and I was going to play it safe and hit an iron shot and then play it up on the green because I had a pretty good round going and, uh, and see if I couldn't get a birdie, and he said, Nah, man, if you hit a good shot, you can reach this green in one shot. I said, it's a par four. He said, no, no, you can reach it in one shot. I know you can. And I had borrowed clubs, so I pulled out that driver. And the last thing that I, the guy said that owned the clubs when I, that I borrowed them from, he said, see if you can do something better with those clubs than I can. I said, okay, we'll give it a shot. I took a big swing. I hit the ball. It was perfect. Long story made short, it hit the green and it rolled up and it fell in the club for a double eagle. Hole in one on a par four. I was like, whoa, what's up with that? That was, yeah, that's such a rare thing. And you know, I was reflecting on that a little bit later that day as I was looking at my life and I realized that happened on July 28th. July 28th is today just before my 12th birthday, I gave my life to Christ. In a different city, Portland, Maine. Opposite ends of the country, same name. Two big days in my life. So I began to ponder those. I thought, which one of those is bigger? 
Yeah. I'm at church. The answer is obvious, right? But as I, be, as I began to really ponder that, it took me back to that 11-year-old boy who was almost 12. And, and I didn't know that God wanted to write a part of his story through me. I just knew that he loved me and that he died for me. And I knew he created me to be his kid. And I knew I had done things that, that were sinful. And I knew I wanted to live with him forever. So I gave my heart to him on July 28th when I was 11. That would have been in 1963. And I began to reflect on what God did through just an 11-year-old kid raised in rural Iowa, had gone to a farmer's church all of his life. My idea of God's kingdom was so small, honest to God truth. If you had interviewed me at that time or in high school, later on in high school when I knew that I was going to be a pastor, I would have said to you, my dream job is someday I want to be able to preach at a church that once in a while can have as many as 100 people in that church. That was big. That was a huge dream for me. Little did I know that God would take me and my very first uh, full-time pastoring, he would move me from rural Iowa to the inner city of Portland, Oregon, that other Portland, to an interracial church that was almost all black, to an interracial community that was almost all black. And while we were there, hundreds, I'm talking hundreds, of children would come and and they would learn about Jesus. And just last Sunday, one of the couples from that church came to visit this church. And you know what they said? We still have families in our church who came to Christ when you and Monica were there and their kids came to hear the truth about Jesus. And they've now grown up and married, got kids of their own, and they all come to church. That was pretty amazing. I reflected in that same time frame. We used to, we used to do youth retreats, and we used to teach hundreds of young people and extend the invitation for them to come and accept Christ. And I was blown away when just a few months ago, one of those kids walked into our church with his wife, said, do you remember me? And I looked at him. He was just a little kid when I knew him, and now he's a big guy. He's way bigger than I am. And I said, no, and he told me who he was. And I said, oh, my goodness. Now he comes to this church. His wife comes to this church. His kids come to this church. He has two brothers who come to this church, and they're bringing their families to this church from those little seeds that were planted way up outside of Seattle back in the late 60s and early 70s. You know, God was just, this is not about me, God was writing his story. Because what's changing their lives isn't me at all. It's God. I reflected to a time when I was writing all night long 
in the back of a rickshaw. And a rickshaw looks like a motorcycle on the front end, and it's got a seat on the back end and a little canopy. I rode all night long, eight straight hours, in the back of a rickshaw in an Arab metropolis of seven million people lost and no address. And I couldn't speak a lick of the local language and the guy driving the rickshaw couldn't speak a lick of English. You know what it's like to ride all night long in any city and not know where you are, let alone an Arab city in the middle of anti-American demonstrations where no American is safe? Did I tell you there was a part of this where there's always risk and potential sacrifice? I reflected to a time when I sat in, the, in a Pakistani airport on the day before the Gulf War crisis of 1991. And my flight had just been canceled and there were no other flights leaving that airport, period. And I reflected what it would be like and what it was going to be like for me to spend the entire Gulf War crisis in Pakistan where, again huge anti-American demonstrations and to, and to have to go into hiding and to live in somebody's house and never go outside the house until the Gulf War crisis is over and, and hope that I wouldn't be discovered and wouldn't be tortured, kidnapped, and killed and never see my family again. I remember sitting in that airport contemplating that and saying, God, I know you got a plan and that might be the plan. And praying. And then watching God do what only God could do. He moved some Pakistani International Airlines officials to bring a fully loaded jet down out of the sky because it had one available seat and they put me in that seat and took it back up in the sky and got me out of that country. Airlines don't do that. Unless God says. And then they do. Right? Yeah. Friends, I'm just a person who said to God years ago, I'm all in. I don't have any more cards. I don't have any more chips on the table. I've taken all my chips, put all my chips in, and I'm with God. That's it. I don't know what the rest of the story looks like. I'm excited for it, though. And I just want to say to you, the greatest thing you can do with your life is just go all in with God. Because the whole point of Scripture is He wants to write His story through you. That's the whole point of our servolution. We're giving God the opportunity to write His story through us. So what's that going to look like? Well, there's three things that we can do. And let's take a look at those. Number one, we can pray. You know, I've learned this in, in my life. Nothing spectacular happens until I pray. That's just the way it works. And the greatest and, and most significant moments in my life, and the, heart, the time when my heart has been the most touched, and the times when God has worked through me most actively, have without exception been times of great personal prayer. So I want to call you and challenge you 
to begin praying this week. Say, God, I want you to write your story through me. So I'm going to start praying that you will change your world through me some way. Second thing you can do is give. I said, there's no such thing as God writing His story through us and we got no risk and no sacrifice. Can you imagine saying to God, okay God, I'm on board with this. I want you to write your story through me, but I'm not real big on giving. So what's your minimum? Can you see God getting up off His throne going, man, I haven't had an offer like that in a long time. God would go, what's up with that? You want me to write my story through you, but you really don't want to give? Now contrast that with someone in our church just this week who said to his wife, in the coming year, I want to give till it hurts. Because I want to know what that looks like. You know something? That's somebody who's going all in with God. I'm excited about that. Because I'm excited for what God's going to do through that man and through his wife and through their kids. All in. You can do that. And that's what God would call you to do. So, here's what we're doing. Those of you who are brand new looked around you saw some... some uh, masking tape on the carpet and you're going I don't know what that is but I'm staying out of those right those are the size the approximate size of a church building in India where right now well a year and a half ago when we were there uh, more than 65 people were trying to crowd into those into the, a room that size and we did some asking around, and we found out that we can build them a church building that will seat a little bit over 200 people. We can build them a church building for $10,000. Here is the pastor and his wife, and it's our goal as a church to raise $10,000 in order for that to happen. i got, I, I got to tell you just a couple of stories, okay? And, and, and I hope the worship band will forgive me, all right? But, but here's a couple of stories. We already have two life groups in our church who have come and said, we're in. We're in for at least $500 a piece. We already have a couple who's come up and said, we're in. We're in for $2,000. So that's already $3,000. I, I, I'm going to close by talking about a bucket list, but I've got to tell you that I had something taken off of my bucket list that I didn't even have on the bucket list yesterday. Because a bunch of wonderful people in our church decided to surprise Monica and me with a helicopter flight. And so yesterday about this time, we were up in the air, well, a little bit later than this, we were up in the air over Sonoma County, sitting in a glass bubble, seeing this county is spectacular from the air. It was amazing, right? But when it was all said and done, the helicopter pilot said, you know, all the money that was collected for this I want to turn around and I want to give it to your church. So here's some people who had decided to bless us, right? Is that awesome? 
He's a helicopter pilot, doesn't even go to this church. And he said, I want to turn around and bless the church. And now we're taking that money, and it's going with the beans and rice money to help build that church. And I told that guy, I said, I want you to know that you're helping build a church building in India. And he goes, that is so cool. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So, you know, God's already working behind the scenes. Here's where we get to jump on board, okay? The idea behind eating beans and rice actually has two purposes. Number one, about, about 4 billion people, as Kevin laid it out last week, 4 billion people on our planet live on $2 a day or less. You know, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. $2 a day or less. You know what those people eat mostly? Beans and rice. Okay? So we're going to take Monday through Friday of this week and we are going to try to see how that feels. Because that's just good for us. It will sharpen our senses. It will help us. Frankly, I hope by Friday I'm tired of beans and rice. I know that we've got several different recipes we're going to try, and I'm, I'm all on board with that. I think that's great. But frankly, by Friday, I, I hope I'm sick of beans and rice because I want to know what other people feel like. And then we're going to take the money that we save and any money that God wants to add to that, and we're going to bring it together. And I hope we blow that $10,000. I hope we blow it way out of the park. One more story, and then I'll turn it over to the worship band. Guys, you can come on out while I tell the story. Monica and I were sitting down, because we knew I was going to preach this sermon, and we were sitting down, what are we going to do, and how's that going to work? And we decided that, okay, this is how much we usually spend on groceries, and, and so we're going to cut that in half uh, for this week, and we're going to take half of that and give it, because we think we can probably live on beans and rice for about half of what we normally do. And so we already had that set aside, and I was working on some stuff, and I pulled out a file just to work on paying the bills. I opened up the file, and I found a check in there. And, it's, and, and, and the check was made out to Monica. I said, Monica, you know anything about this check? And she went and looked at it, and she goes, what file was that in? It was in a completely unrelated file. I was like, wow. Neither one of us missed it. We looked at each other, and I think she was the first one to speak. She goes, that goes with beans and rice. We didn't miss it. If we didn't miss it before, we don't need it now. This is God's provision. I just want to challenge you. Give God a chance to write some of His story through you. So if you'll take your Start Here card, I've already gone through the application points. Number one, I want God to write His story through me. So I'm going to start praying every day this week that God would change His world through me. Number two, I want God to write his story through me. So I'm going to eat beans and rice, and I'm going to participate in that offering to the greatest degree that God will allow me to. And number three, I want God to write his story through me. So I'm putting, you know what this is? I, my heart's desire is that every Christian would go on a mission trip sometime. Get out of your box. Go where you're uncomfortable and go in the name of Jesus and say, God, write part of your story through me. You're looking for things to put on your bucket list. Can I tell you that the top five or six things on your bucket list ought to have everything to do with God? They ought to. The first thing on your bucket list is you ought to know and you ought to want to experience what it's like to be forgiven by God completely. 
You ought to want to experience what it's like to be changed by God through the power of His Spirit. You ought to want to see and experience what it's like to have every one of your children be on fire for Christ and accept Christ and, and, and get all in with Jesus. And can I tell you, I'd love it if you put on your bucket list that you want to go to some foreign country in the name of Jesus and say, God, write a story through me. Your story. Worship team's going to sing a prayer over you and over me. It's a, great, it's a great song. It's not meant for you to sing, although you can if you want to, but really it's for them. Because it, in the middle part, it talks about breaking us and molding us. I pray that that's our prayer. You listen and you write as Jesus directs. Thanks. enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.